0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Zeb Anderson. Zeb, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it.
1: So we were chatting just, just for a moment offline before we hit the big red record button. And then, and I said, Zeb, what's that short for? And uh, he he's, what did you say it was short for again?
0: Zebediah. Zebediah.
1: Yep. But we, we thought, you know, you you can make up whatever you want it to be short for. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it could be some uh, sci-fi name. It could be whatever you want it to be. Exactly.
0: And uh, <laughs> I love sci-fi books. So maybe uh, maybe I'm going to stick with that. There that, you go. That's, uh, that's a really Start good way to look at it.
1: We're going to see a series on Amazon. Something and, and the the hero of the story is Zebulon or something like that. But uh, I'll take it. I'll take man, it. thanks again for uh, for joining us today. But uh, so if you and I met at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me?
0: That's a great question. Uh, I uh, I like to say that I'm a you know lifelong computer nerd. Uh, always been uh, interested in how you can use technology to just you know, keep things simple. And, and, uh, especially as it impacts, you know, things like, like the law, which, um, you know, for my sins, also an attorney, uh, (laughs) it's uh, a little bit behind the times on, on what they do. So my, uh, most recent, um, I guess, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, endeavor is to, uh, basically try to make that process simpler for people to, to try to find an attorney and, um, that's the, the startup gig that I've been working on for about two and a half years now called Legal LegalQ. And uh, that's uh, me in a nutshell. I love uh, here in Minneapolis, you know, the, the winters are terrible, but the summers are kind of nice. So, you know, we get a little bit of a little bit of both. Um, I have two amazing kiddos and uh, yeah, love to, uh, to spend, you know, time when I'm not uh, toiling over the startup with them. And that's uh, kind of me in a nutshell.
1: So you live in the land of 10,000 lakes up in, uh, in Minnesota, but so, you know, you hear the word like democratization of, you know, fill in the blank. Is that, is that kind of the theme of what you were trying to do with, with legal services as well?
0: I love that. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because it's to your point, it's, it's, it's actually, I I think legal gets in its own way a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a saying, you know, high margins cover a lot of sins, right? And basically, if you have a high-margin product out of the gate, you know, there's not a lot of incentive for you to innovate on that. And sometimes, it takes a global pandemic and a you know scrappy startup to get a kick in the pants to uh, to kind of move that uh, democratization along a little bit. And and by the way, I am an attorney. You know, I don't want to minimize how hard it is to to do that work. And there's so many amazing attorneys out there that. You know, truly want to help people and went to law school to be an advocate. And um, you know, the reason I went personally is to help, you know, conflict resolution. How do we do that better and yep. use technology to help with that? And and I just uh think that, you know, what I mentioned earlier, it sometimes takes a little bit of external motivation to help that process forward. I
1: I could not agree more. And I I um I mean it would just Kind of hearing your story just in the last few minutes, I'm I'm thinking, okay, so there was there were two paths that he could have taken. He could have possibly taken to get where he is today. Number, I mean, so assuming that the origin story is you went to law school and you you worked in that profession in some capacity for a while. So we can agree on that. The that that's home base, so to speak. That's yeah.
0: That's mostly it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What you know, corporate, private. Practice firm, whatever. So, right, right. Then you, then you had to, you came at a at a fork in the road, and as Yogi Berra says, when you come to a fork in the road, you take it. But uh, so the the idea that <laughs> you Yogi. either you hated what you did and you had to do something else, or you you kind of had to scratch an itch that you had, and maybe it's some combination of those two. So this is your story. I'm curious to hear hear your version.
0: Uh, Kevin, I think, uh, you have a second career as a psychologist because, uh, (laughs) you nailed it. Um, I, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Honestly, it's, um, I, so prior F post-law school, I worked at a big, uh, tech company, uh, called Medtronic and it had 90,000 employees, I think at the time. And, you know, I had some interesting roles within the, the, my jobs there, but ultimately, um, you know, it's, it's truly, and this is a personal reference, if this works for you, God bless. But, you know, for me, it's just, I, I always felt like, um, you know, kind of stifled from what you could ultimately do. And, and they, it's a great company. I don't want to, you know, minimize anything that they do, but ultimately, you know, it's, um, to your point, you kind of have that itch to scratch for starting up something. And, and ultimately, you know, it's, it gave me a lot of great worldviews on how you know some of these big um you know industries like healthcare or legal have a lot of inefficiencies that if um you know you can see a better mousetrap or a better way to do things you know then might as well give it a try and you know it's uh we actually so the idea was kind of the summer and fall of 2019 so right before the pandemic, and t- to be honest, the pandemic actually was a little blessing in disguise because, oh, um, sure. you know, I it, everybody was working from home, and so my nights and weekends I could spend, um, you know, uh, toiling away at LegalQ while I was uh, still working there at my day job, and um, and allowed for that kind of innovation to happen until uh, last summer when we got into this uh, accelerator called TechStars mm-hmm. and that allowed me to uh, jump ship and, and do it full time since then so okay now it's confession
1: time you know to, you walk around. Right. so here I'm, I'm i'm moved from psychologist to priest here so let's do it so okay i'm i'm curious um, and it's it's interesting because i have so many colleagues and and you know friends that are that have shifted kind of to a remote work work area or work remote yeah. work setting. So it tends to a uh, gray your day job too. I mean, even the time during the day probably tends to be a little more gray. So, I mean, you, you, you yeah. very judiciously said nights and weekends, but did you actually see like, even, even the day got to be a little cloudy on, you know, you're working on this or you're working on that or, or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to yeah. catch you and have Medtronics like charge you no, back for no. wages, but it,
0: it does seem like that. <laughs> Medtronic owns half the uh, company now. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Even the
1: way we work seems different. Yeah. Um,
0: and I think so employers are,
1: are, they're not, they're not, I mean, they're wise to some of those things too. And they, they understand that yeah. it's, it's a changing landscape, you know, yeah. um, yeah. so it is a, you know, you're folding laundry while you're answering email, you know, time yeah. so it's an interesting, yeah. interesting new, new landscape.
0: It's uh, a good question on
1: that. Just remote work in general. So we t- chase a little rabbit here
0: yeah no it's a it's a great question and you know there were lunch breaks when i would you know switch computers jump jump on the and maybe one of the the benefits of being a lawyer is i knew you know i had to be very delineated in those kind of work streams but um i have friends that legitimately have uh you know a couple side gigs at any given time and Mm -hmm. uh, you know kind of a nine to five and and even the you know employees at legal queue you know i know I think three or four of them that have, you know, pretty uh, consistent either fractional roles in other companies or um, are just, you know, able to, um, you know, kind of have that side hustle mentality. And I think to your point, it's it's kind of the new normal in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I think that's healthy from a, a sense of you can kind of take ownership of your own career path and your own um you know trajectory on that side Mm -hmm. i do think it hurts productivity just in all the context switching that you have to do on some of those different things but ultimately i'm i'm in favor of it because you know it it sure beats having uh you know all the capital expense of of buildings and different you know um you know we all just do we work you know if we need to get together we just you know share a conference room for a, a few hours and um, that's, that's been a lot more flexible. And I think it does create innovation because, you know, we have an incredible team that's dispersed right now. And, you know, we probably couldn't find all of them in Minneapolis, to be honest, you know, oh, I, i absolutely, I think it would, you know, deepen the, the gene pool
1: of, of hiring as, you know, if you can, if you're, you're not geographically limited, um, Exactly. that that's yeah. certainly is a, I mean, a, a huge, you know, you talk to HR professionals that are saying, you know, we can the 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 ability or the reach to talent you know the reach into talent pools yeah yeah. exponentially you know brought more broad and um so i let's let's talk about legal q just a bit and and give me give us the basic business model of legal q you and i are hopping on an elevator we're going to go up 10 floors give me your 45 second kind of uh brief rundown of legal q and maybe who it's for
0: i love it yeah so uh let me get your button quick here. And uh, LegalQ is an app that connects users to attorneys for a 15-minute uh, free consultation. They can do text, voice, or video chat, and attorneys use the platform to find potential clients. They have um, just based on our historical data about one in five turn into you know a paying client. That if they do a good job with you know that's just the better way uh, to connect with potential clients and also do some good in the process by giving these people a path forward to their next legal steps. You know, there's a stat by the ABA that says that two thirds of Americans have an ongoing legal issue at any given time. Mm -hmm. And just let that sink in, like that's close to 200 million people that have some type of legal issue. And it's, uh, it's a scary number. And we're hoping to help the cause on that a little bit.
1: So, okay, the elevator door's open, man. I'm still intrigued here. So I'm just going to hit the emergency stop button and we're just going to stand here in the elevator for a while because <laughs> like now it. you generated a lot more questions. So, so that, that's a really interesting business model. So that would require you to go out and talk to attorneys and really sell them on the idea that this is an effective lead gen strategy. You nailed that, it. that's kind of the, that, that would be the business model. It says you, you will get, you know, on, on average, you will land, you, you will, I guess, sign one out of five, you know, people you talk to for, so every 75 minutes you're on the phone, you will, you will land another client type thing. Yep. But the interesting, I mean, as I'm thinking about other, other models would be, I mean, when I first looked at it online, I, I didn't drill down deep enough to get to the, the, I guess, the final strategy there. But when I was sure. looking at it, it was like, Okay, you can connect me to attorneys, and I'm thinking they'll all have different rates. And you know, legal queue just takes a cut. They they get 15% of (laughs) and they bill it through the through the app. They keep 15%, send 85% to the attorney, and man, everybody's happy. And it's kind of on demand legal services type thing. So but it's a really interesting model. Did how did you arrive at that one versus you know either the one I described or even option three?
0: Honestly, Kevin, that's that's a brilliant question because we got it completely wrong at the start. Um, we had a assumption that it, we did 100 uh, interviews with attorneys, with users, you know, different people in that process. But our, our first assumption was that users would want to pay. You know, um, I think our our numbers were like 39 for 15 minutes, 59 for 30 minutes with a licensed attorney in their jurisdiction that they can. Just ask any of these questions too, and and what we discovered was people would, you know, could get into the funnel pretty well, and then everybody would drop off at the paywall. So basically, you know, ninety-five percent or so people would do that, and we started asking more questions about that. And the attorneys were like, "Hey, you know, it's, it's cool that I could make, you know, to your point, whatever the percentage breakdown that we get from that, mm-hmm. but ultimately, what I want is somebody that turns into a, a you know a, a long-term client for this, and so." Um, we kind of re re-engineered who, uh, who pays for what. And now we, and to be honest, it's closer to our mission, which is access to justice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we stand for. So giving it free for the users as a way to just explore it, you know, a, you know, get those legal questions solved. We we tell the attorneys like, don't hide the goods, you know, give it to them in the call. Otherwise we're going to have a a hard conversation, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, you know, from that lens, but also if they do a good job, they, they have a potential lifelong client. And so we, uh, we basically got it completely wrong, switched it and once we were in the market. And this is our, our current path forward. And it's, um, knock on wood, starting to get some success in that side. And uh, we've been, uh, yeah, really grateful. And I guess if I, you know, my, my learning from that is just don't assume that you have the answers. You know, talk to the customers before you build the product that you assume. And um, you know, my hubris got in the way on that one, and should have uh, should have listened first, and then you know, not have to build thirty percent more of the product to to get it to that.
1: Um, my uh, my daughter was pre-law in her in her undergraduate degree and and okay. was, you know was on the mock trial team at the university she was in. So nice. I, I can attest to the fact that you don't get through that process without a little hubris. So <laughs> I mean, I think that's like your basic fair requirement point. of, you know. So fair point. Fair interesting point interesting as you're as you're you know, you're talking about the I guess the transition of the model, you know, early early days, but It's, you know, we, we hear the word pivot so often, like, Mm -hmm. it's it's like a correction. Yeah. Actually, it may just be an improvement. You know, yours was, yours was just Mm. like, instead of, you you didn't like do a 180. I mean, you really just enhance the, the funnel where it would would be more effective. So, um, I mean, that's, I think if we're not, if we're not improving and we're not enhancing and we're not, you know, making positive pivots, then we're probably not growing at all. And, and we're probably leaving some flesh on the bone, so to speak, you know, somewhere, somewhere yeah. along that pathway. But so how, you know, you talk about uh, going through Techstars and which is, you know, that that in itself is is quite an accomplishment because, I mean, yeah. you know, those are major incubators, you know, Y Combinator and Techstars and, you know, those mm. those that you, you've heard about. And, you know, a lot of times unicorns, you know, come out of there. And uh, so is this is LegalQ going to be the the. Is it the Uber of you know legal services? Uber of legal.
0: That's yeah. That I, uh, I'm going to be stealing that. So you know, congrats on your uh, your uh, royalty check coming out. But uh, no, uh, I you know it's that's our goal. Like truly, like because so two things first. One is um, I love the TechStars program. Our mm-hmm. um, MD, she was amazing, and you know truly you, you learn so much about um just the operation side of the business that you, you kind of boot camp for for growing up really quick as a startup. And uh, that's just invaluable, right? There's there's so many you know beautiful things that from anything from like your OKR KPI check-ins to just understanding how you can you know grow efficiently and effectively on your, your marketing side, but also your team and you know what impacts uh you know, not thinking about strategy has versus just saying so tactical every day and so mm-hmm. many beautiful things from that process. Um, to be honest, when we exited it, we were probably a little early still for most seed stage investors. So we did our, our kind of pre-seed round with them and uh, or, you know with investors and angels and raised about 500K uh, in the pre-seed side. And then uh, basically just put that towards the product, put it towards yeah. growing the market and uh, now we're in a, a second accelerator called um, Launch with uh, Jason Calcanis and, and their crew over at uh, This Week in Startups. And um, we, uh, we, we have the goods this time. So, you know, we have the traction, we have the product, uh, we have the team. And now it's it's been fun to c- kind of have that different conversation with the, the VCs, you know, and I've literally talked to I think I counted the other day. It was like 123 different VCs uh, wow. over the past year and heard no's from most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I'll take that back. You never hear no's. It's always, this is really, really interesting. We love yep. your team, your product. Like talk to me when you hit 10K MRRs, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. And so it uh, leaves the door open for them, which is fair. It's, it's part of the game, but um, it's, it is exciting to kind of have the, yeah. The, uh, the traction behind it this time as we have these conversations and, and to your question, you know, it's um, it's a step function of of what we hope to do with the mission, right, is if we can get, you know, all these people access to justice um, along the way, the, the monetary side makes sense to keep increasing with that. And hopefully, uh, you know, that's a global endeavor someday, not just in the States, but over time, um, that's uh, that's what we hope to grow into. So uh,
1: you could very easily, I think, find yourself into in like competing ethos here, you know, where you're you're really trying to grow and scale, but yet you have kind of a driving force, you know, that says we really do want to provide services that are accessible right. to the to the people that need it the most, you know, type thing. So yep. often those are competing values. Right. You know, those are like yep. counterintuitive values. So, how are you? How are you keeping that balance? You know, in your in your DNA, I guess, right. so to speak, or in your vision.
0: Honestly, that's I've never been asked that question, and it's a beautiful insight because it's the thing that keeps me up at night. Right? I am a I trained mean,
1: psychologist.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, no. maybe I just play one better. on the
1: on the radio. <laughs> right. I like it. I
0: like it. It's a great question. It's, it's probably one of the things I struggle with the most, if I'm honest, um, because I, you know, I see these consultations come through, um, you know, with respect to privacy, uh, but some of them are heartbreaking, you know, and I want everybody to get access to, to justice. But at the same point, if, you know, uh, I don't know, 30% of the consultations that you send the attorney or 50 or whatever, you know, are just people that you know, are unable to be in a position to be a, a client for them mm-hmm. because of a payment is it's a tricky balance. And I think so. the, the two things that we're kind of doing to, to mitigate that is, number one, um, you know, we we have different channels that we use to to get the users and mm-hmm. some of those we can kind of uh, optimize for different, um, you know, different spending groups, different uh you know, people that might be able to, to get those um, leads to the attorneys that have higher chances of, of you know, be, becoming a client. And the second thing is, is for the ones that don't, uh, we're working on integrating a system into the back end of LegalQ that says, um, if this consultation doesn't turn into a paying client, or if you notice, know that it's gonna be kind of a pro bono work, you can actually um, uh, use that to track through LegalQ because a lot of firms have, uh, pro bono requirements and some states even have certain amount of pro bono hours you need to to fulfill for um you know becoming a, or being a licensed attorney so between those two things um it's kind of mitigating some of that so we, right. you know have benefits to the attorneys on both sides
1: okay so I, this is where i'm really going to require some royalty payments so i right. had a couple of crazy brainstorm ideas as you were i i'm 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 a like schizophrenic, you know, entrepreneur here. So love it. Two things that came to mind when you were talking about: number one is like, what about a model like, say, Tom's shoes or or Bombas socks or something like that, where you're like, you know, you do have a paywall or pay side, but yet it kind of funds maybe a pro bono side that kind of runs in parallel to that. The second thing is if you ever, if you ever really you know, see the flywheel take off, you know, for, for legal queue, um, you may, you may want to create a fund where people can petition to that fund to be reimbursed for legal fees. And, and, you know, you, that may be your foundation side or your 501c3 side, you know, out of the back end of things that you can kind of feed back into the system, you know, the ability for, for attorneys to give back. And and you can also work with, I guess, with attorney with foundations that are out there that are legal foundations that can provide those services, maybe, maybe pro bono as well. Maybe you partner with those as well, but just crazy ideas because I I mean I I really love the idea of (laughs) of having you know the the ability to you know democratization doesn't isn't just aimed at one channel or one strata, I guess, of, of our economic of economic model. And and you know, you can use different stratas to, to support and, and subsidize, I guess, other, you know, the ones that need, need that, you know, particular help. But, uh, I, I really love the model and I, so tell me when exactly did you start legal LegalQ and what's been kind of the growth pattern since
0: the beginning? Yeah, no, it, I just want to say those are brilliant ideas, Kevin, and I'm literally going to send this to all of our product team to make sure we, we think about that and uh i'm nine dollars an hour I, i'm really I like i'm really high <laughs> Keep i got the a clock rolling what <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> quick thought on, on just on kind of the model the way it is um is there's a lot of regulatory capture within the legal industry mm-hmm. and one of the uh negative aspects of that is uh, a legal entity can't split fees with a non-legal entity so like us as a C-Corp can't share, you know, 20% with the attorney that's licensed in a a state. And most states have a flavor of this. And so basically um, to that end, you know, we had to, that was another big reason why we switched the model, but also um, to your point, if it's going towards a charitable cause, you know, then there might have some optionality on on how to do that better. So thank you for that idea. I love that. Um, And to your question, uh, it started in the the summer of 2019 started, kind of coming up with an idea around what this could be, and um, wrote a way too long business plan as part of that, just to kind of get some thoughts on paper. And that's what I used as to you know share amongst uh, all the attorneys that I was at, you know asking about the questions, and we did a bunch of design thinking sessions with them, and then beyond that had a uh, I think I just used Fiverr to. And I, to be honest, I'm, I'm really lucky. Like that's one of the, I'd rather be lucky than good kind of thing, yeah. but it's it's true. And uh, I found this amazing designer um, on Fiverr and she was able to kind of take the ideas of what it was and, and, you know, give some mock-ups that really allowed for us to to get some critical feedback of does this work, does this not. And even then, as I mentioned earlier, I still overbuilt way too much in product, but uh, it's good, you know, kind of momentum to, to keep that moving, and um, basically in that that time period, uh, you know, started thinking of who co-founders might be, how how do we get our go-to-market established, how do we uh, get the initial funding for this to you know get the prototype built, and um, all those fun pieces.
1: So what's what's been kind of the growth pattern since 2019 so when you're when you're talking about you know staffing you know i don't know if you want to talk about revenue numbers but it's it's completely up to you this is your show so you 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 share whatever you want to share
0: no thank you ed uh it's been fits and starts to be honest uh we have uh we have some amazing uh you know team members on today but it's and i was just talking to our cfo about this at lunch um you know the biggest challenge of a startup is just the war of attrition, right? Yeah. Like, can you yeah. stick around long enough to see yeah. the progress get to the place where you have a V1, or you get some, you know, enough funding where you can build into the, the strategy around it? And um, you know, we lost some good people along the way and gained some more. And you know, that's another hard part about about the startup is you know, people, different people at different timetables and different expectations for how long things are going to take and, right. um, with, but that said, we, uh, you know, I think we really honed in on the product as it is today. Um, this last fall. So, you know, we've kind of went through different iterations through 20, uh, like fall winter, 2019 into 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then use that time to kind of develop the, uh, the markets a little bit developed the product around that. And then, when we got into Techstars, that's when we kind of switched the, the business model to the new version. And since then, it's, um, it's been able to kind of uh, to expand. And one of the things that I don't know if it was right or wrong yet, I'll, I'll let you know, I guess. But uh, uh, is I was pretty adamant that we don't charge either side until we have a product worth uh, worth itself, right? So I, I think we've had like 7,000 downloads of the app. I have about 150 attorneys on the platform today, and we just turned on kind of the revenue um, side of it last month. And so, you know, we don't have a lot of revenue until, you know, this past month, but I just, I didn't want, uh, you know, people to pay for kind of an MVP. I wanted it to be a V1. And, you know, I was subsidizing a lot of attorney (laughs) activity on the platform for a long time, but we also got a ton of great data from that. And, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we got to where we are today.
1: So I, I can imagine the the app makes the connection, sets up the initial 15 sec- or 15 minute consultation. How does it, how does it track beyond that? So how, how do, is the conversation within the, does it remain within the app? So you're monitoring that or, I mean, how, how do you keep it from going offline? I guess at that, at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, it, as of now we we encourage them to take it offline after the consultation so we send both sides an email kind of summary of uh the pieces uh of the consultation and based on that if the user likes the attorney they can choose to go with them they don't or they want to try a different one you know maybe get a second opinion Mm -hmm. they can do that as well and you know long term we probably will have some more features around just for simplicity's sake you know keeping Those conversations um, active through LegalQ, and we have some kind of interesting AI potential capabilities with that too. Around, um, you know, if if you think about it, right? Like these are the say five thousand latest questions in Virginia that were asked about X Y Z topic around criminal law. Here's the best answers for them. Emphatically creating a corpus for a machine learning algorithm to say, "Hey attorneys, you know, here's the best answer for these kind of questions." you look like a genius because you're able to answer, you know, add your color to it and um, answer it pretty quickly to users. And, um, but that's, that's a little bit down the road, you know, yeah. we're trying to stay laser focused on just growing uh, responsibly, I guess right now. And there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of like middle pieces of the funnel that I've been learning that are really challenging at this stage of, you know, just how do you onboard effectively? How do you, uh you know manage expectations effectively how do you uh just you know get the the flows in the right order so that you can automate some of those steps and can your crm do some of this can you know uh you enable the onboarding process automatically but it's pretty it's pretty duct tapey at the moment i'd say but uh we're working on kind of automating all those pieces
1: You'd probably be surprised how many how many you know apps that have been around for a long time are not very duct tape <laughs> behind the curtains. <laughs> so, that's there. That's there. But uh, so th- I'm guessing the model is that there is the attorneys pay maybe a monthly subscription fee or something like that, or is it is it based on actual connections that are made?
0: Yeah. So that's uh, that's another differentiation we made. Um, one of the feedback pieces that we got from the attorneys was they hate. The online subscriptions that they tap to for some of the incumbents in the market, and if they have to pay, you know, eleven hundred bucks a month for, for lead services or like SEO services that, right. after talking to a bunch of attorneys, were great for the first two months and then dropped quite a bit, mm-hmm. and then were astounding the last eleven and twelve months of that contract. Um, we just you know, basically once said, you know, turn it on, turn it off when you want it, you can pay by the consultation. So if you want, you know, 20 that week, we'll do our best to try to get you up to that. And then if we send you a 15, then we'll just charge you for the the 15 that we sent you at the end of the week. And if you have any disputes on it, you know, we can work through that as well, but basically it's just the fairest way to do it. I think, you know, it's send them the value uh, for what they use and, if they want to shut it off or on vacation or something for a week, then they shouldn't have to pay for that. So I can
1: I can see three big needs that you would have right now. Number one is just development, you know, just app development needs. I can also see you know business development where you're you're trying to onboard attorneys, and that yeah. that is, um, I mean, that's that's a learning curve in itself. Just you know trying to yeah. trying to educate them on the value of this kind of new model, and then you you've got to drive people to the app. You got to drive people to the yeah. service yeah. itself. So, is that is that who you're hiring? Prime are the in those three primary areas, or how are you building your staff?
0: Uh, you are very insightful. Those are pretty much the three areas right now that we're going after. So, um, uh, you know, kind of bringing some of the IT capabilities and development work um, a little bit closer to home, and understanding just you know how we can. Uh, Uh, just drive the most efficiency from that process and the second thing is uh, basically to your point uh, kind of like sales team to help enable the uh, kind of mid-funnel pieces and top of funnel and then uh, customer success like onboarding side of things and just ensuring that you know we're getting the right feedback from the customers to help inform the product to help inform the engineers and you know kind of get that life cycle going so right you nailed it those are the top three
1: well it's it's i mean it's a it it's pretty i mean I'm, I'm certainly not rain man here so it's it's pretty obvious of you know i would say the kind of the high level needs that would that you would have at this stage of of your your development but that's i mean it hasn't been all that long that you've been kind of a ceo founder you know co-founder or whatever but you know we all learn lessons along the way and I, I would love for you to share just a couple of, you know, this is a, an area of, a, of the interview we call the mentor moment, you know, where I really want you to share one or two insights that you've learned that you wish you would have known, you know, when you first started out, it would have saved you a lot of time, money, effort, heartache, you know, you fill in the yeah. adjective there, but uh, the, the whole idea of like. Uh, you know, there are there are people behind you on the journey that are thinking about starting things. What, what are one or two things that really stand out in your mind?
0: I love this question. Um, number one is, as I mentioned earlier a little bit, you have to get the customer feedback before you build your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did this in the opposite order a little bit. Yeah, we did some design thinking sessions, but it's still overbuilt by far. And without that customer feedback of, I would actually use this and or buy it, you know, or subscription or, or what have you. You're ultimately trying to be Steve Jobs, you know, and that's very, very few humans on the earth that can do that effectively. And I think just having the humility to say, you know, we got this part right. That's great. You know, we found an insight or we are in this industry and, you know, see the inefficiencies in this, in this workflow. Um, start small with that and see if, you know, other customers can reflect that back to you as a need that they would have. And ultimately the the great thing about that is they have ownership of, of the process, right? The, the customers literally are telling you like, yes, I would pay you for this feature or that thing. And sometimes they get a little bit, um, niche kind of for, you know, their maybe specific need or use case, but as long as it's fairly generally applicable, uh, you know, and they you can tell this customer, hey, this is your direct insight that led us to um, building this product or part of the product. I think that's just you got a lifelong client. After yeah,
1: that. Yeah. Certainly a fan for life. Yeah. What else? Totally. What else comes to mind?
0: I think the second thing is you got to take care of your mental health. Um, this has been something that's I've struggled with uh, quite a bit, actually, is, you know, startups are lonely you know, uh, startups are very long roads of just time with you and your own thoughts. And, you know, if you have 123 VCs telling, you no all the time and (laughs) let alone customers and exactly the the status quo of, you know, what the uh, current situation is, it's a really hard grind. And I think I didn't appreciate just how truly arduous that is Mm. until I got, especially during a pandemic, but um, that aside, it's, it's just, you got to take care of your mental health. If that's, you know, talking to a therapist, highly recommend that, um, you know, find some outlets that are outside of your team. Like I think you can have healthy discussions with your team, but at the same point, you know, you need other outlets to, right. to just be your best, uh, worker self that you can do it. And, um, I, I think just there's a lot of days when I probably wasn't as effective as I could have been if I would have taken care of my, uh, mental health a little bit better. And I, I just, you know, I've seen it through tech stars through so many different legal uh, other startups and different cohorts of startups that I've done or you know, been a part of with. And it's a, it's a perennial struggle for everybody doing it, but it's uh, I don't know if it's talked about enough that we just got to find outlets to be healthy with that.
1: Those are, those are great insights. And, and I think, you know, there have some universal value and truths, you know, in those, regardless of it is industry agnostic, you know, as true as you're looking at that, but you, you mentioned earlier, I just want to circle back just really quick on, on something you talked about, you know, talking to VCs and you mentioned it two or three times during our, our chat here and, and angel investors, and you, you hear kind of in the macro sense that, you know, VCs are kind of recoiling a little bit, you know, money was so easy. You know, yeah, 2020 or whenever it was. Yep. Just there was everywhere. And yeah. Um, what what's been your experience, uh, even say early 2022, you know, related to venture capital?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely uh impacted in I think two ways. One, the valuations aren't what they were in 2021 or 2020. Um, you know, the hundred X revenue multiples yeah. of a, a startup are just not there anymore. And which is, I think a healthy thing for, for the ecosystem. They're probably or, more realistic. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, a lot of these big companies at scale, uh, you know, just couldn't justify the growth, uh, um, metrics that were put upon them. And, and honestly, it's, it's a lot easier to hire somebody if you can tell them, you know, Hey, our, you know, growth multiple is only two X or three X versus, you know, we have a potential for a 10x growth multiple. Right. So your your options are worth quite a bit more. Um, so I think that's a healthy piece. I think the, the, the section of VC that got hit the hardest is growth by far, just because they had these crazy multiples and they yeah. had to justify it with actual numbers. On the seed side, we haven't been hit as hard, I think, just because the scale is different, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you put 2 million into 10 seed companies, that's you know, one or two growth stage companies, yeah. um, at the same stage. So I think we, uh, the valuations are lower, but also I haven't seen as much worry about explicitly not getting funded. Um, I think the conversations are harder definitely yeah. than last year. Um, I think that's fair too. Uh, but at the same point, a little more diligence, a little bit more, um, you know, just proof in the pudding of your numbers it has to be there before um, the VCs will, will take it seriously. But I think it's healthy for the ecosystem.
1: And it's it's almost like it has a sometimes an inverse relationship, it seems like, where you, you know, you look at, at as they're looking at alternative investments, they're thinking, man, I'm losing money everywhere else. I mean, right. why not? Why not move yeah. some money over into into you know venture capital or vent you know venture investment type thing and versus True. seeing the stock market you know lose 15 over the last month and a half or whatever it was but yeah. uh it's just an interesting it's always an interesting it's and it's much easier to to see it from outside because I don't have you know <laughs> I this I have no vested interest in that's you know what happens it's like I'm just a, a spectator but then uh, as we as we close today the is there anything we haven't haven't touched on that, that you would just like to kind of close this out with today? that uh you know is kind of burning on your on your mind and heart and and uh maybe just tell people the worst the finish up with the best place
0: to find you online i, I love our, our chat again thank you so much truly uh you've been a great host and i think just back to the advice on the founder side um if if you uh you know, do take the time to take care of your, your mental health on that journey. And, um, you know, you find yourself in a leadership role and a startup, a lot of what that truly is. And like, what I enjoy most about it is, is just helping the people on your team through, through those issues and through the problems that you see along the way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of just life stuff that happens that you have to, you know, help your, uh, your teammates, your, uh, you know, name your work um, uh, partner, whatever you want to call it, right. to do their best work, and I just think that that's a lot easier to do when your own mental health is in a good space to do that. Sure. And so I just highly recommend that. And if you want to check out LegalQ, you can go to uh, LegalQ.io, and we have a, a download there for the user side, and we also have a form for the attorneys if they want to check it out.
1: That is legalq.io, not legalq.com. So uh, remember right. that that uh, that web address. We're working we'll on that part, which we'll certainly have that in the uh, in the show notes. And Zeb, I really appreciate you taking the time, and what a way to kind of end our week here, and as we head into a, another nice weekend. But thank you again for just sharing your story and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Zeb, have a great weekend.
0: You too, Kevin. Thanks so much.